0: Aloha, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Unshackled Liberty. This is Q, the abolitionist.
1: Aloha, everyone. This is Crypto Gumbo.
0: We had a conversation with Joshua about agorism, 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 agorism. agorism.
1: Both work. Yeah. Every from time.
0: A, from a Christian perspective, though. Yeah. Right. So we. So. So you'll you'll hear uh, early in the show. We talk a little bit about some of the things that we've already talked about with regard to agorism. Um, this one we kind of drilled down in what we would like to see from the, the body of Christ, so to speak, the Christian church, uh, in light of a lot of the things that are going on around us and how we can uh, weather the storm from an economic perspective. And I think Joshua helped us navigate that. What do you think? Yeah, he
1: did a good job. Uh, that view that can go hard for hours, probably. Yeah. Um, smart guy, full of a lot of good ideas. And uh, with a topic like agorism, agorism. I mean, it just brings up so many different topics, you know, because it's all interfaced and integrated into so many different topics. So,
0: yeah. I think cool. it's good. I think it's good. So before we jump into that, I got it. We got to go back to our we got to go back to our Q-tip segment. Q-tips. Right? So, Q-tips. So I've got two questions, right? Um, now, this is this is from an old faith. Apparently, this is an old faithful. So GFY Garden Center, your friend of mine, uh, hey. sent, in, sent in another one again this week. Um, that dude's a stud. Yeah, he's great. He's awesome. How how do you get your hair to look so good? I don't know if he's talking. He's probably talking to me because I got really good hair. Um, Well, obviously, yeah, yeah. So, how do I get my hair to look so good? So, I've been blessed with superior follicle genetics. Um, (laughs) My my hair DNA is perfect. Like like, yeah. So like, you could if you wanted to like take my hair, you would want to use my hair. If you were going to make a clone or you're going to make like a, like a, like, like the perfect human.
1: So, so does your hair, does you, do you wake up with your hair down like that? Is it just natural It just kind of?
0: Yeah. My ah. hair's great. My hair's great. Like sometimes there's flat spots, right? But, but overall my hair is great. It's, um, it's probably like my, f- people are going to get mad because they think I'm being like, like, uh. Just speak your truth. Uh, Yeah. You know, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to be too conceited here, but I've got, I've got great hair. Plus I use this product that, um, Uh I go back to the roots, man. I go back to the old school. Uh, I use Murray's superior hairdresser, Murray. Oh, I thought you were going to say that old horse, horse lab or whatever. (laughs) No, you're talking about like, you're talking talking about mane and tail. (laughs) I don't, I don't use mane and tail. You (laughs) don't, Everyone had a, a bottle of that
1: in their bathroom back when I
0: was a Dude, kid. I don't have mane and tail. I never use that stuff. So uh, I've seen it. And but what I have, what I do use to shampoo, I actually don't even use shampoo. Wow. I use Dr. Bronner's um soap, that pure Castile soap, Dr. Bronner's. So
1: you don't even your hair is so great that you don't you can't even use shampoo, you use soap.
0: I use I use Castile soap, yeah. Dr. Bronner's so,
1: Do you get dandruff?
0: No, my. I'm telling you. I have, oh, because your follicles. I there. have superior follicle DNA. Okay. Okay. Um, my my hair is, is is immaculate. If you were to look at my hair at a cellular level, it's it's probably it's stronger than than than. Uh, it probably look like fra- it look like fractals. Like. It's it's beautiful and it's stronger than like Spider Man's web, right? Okay. It's it's amazing. I do have a thin spot in the back though, so don't look too hard. Um, don't even bring that up. Well, I'm sorry. But then that combined with the old school orange can Murray's pomade. That's it. Murray's superior hairdressing. I just use that.
2: I'm going uh, to get a can of that.
0: I don't use it a lot. So what you got to do is you got to like, you got to apply it while your hair is damp, not wet, damp, right? So after a shower, or after you clean it up, right? Like, you know, even if it's, uh, even if you didn't shower, you want to get your hair a little bit wet and then dry it off real good. So it's damp. And then you take just a little bit and you put it in the palm of your hand. And then you you remember like you remember karate kid? Yeah, yeah. When 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 um Pat Marita, who was that? Uh Mr. Miyagi, right? Mr. So Miyagi. When, when when Daniel LaRusso busted up, got a little bruise on his hip or got a little bruise on his shoulder, and he like took his hand and he smacked it together and he rubbed it together real fast and got it real hot. Yeah, get that friction going. That's what okay. you do. You get it Melt real it hot. Down. Yep. And it's cause it's kind of thick. So you get it real hot until it's nice and like like slimy you know and then you just run your fingers through your hair just a little bit not all the way you're not trying to not trying to slick it all the way back you're giving you're away it. your secrets okay. well I'm just uh, the question was asked how does my okay, hair look true, true. so I'm just giving the you know the input right so just run your fingers slightly through your hair just to get it on those superior hair follicles but it helps if you have great DNA and okay. I do I got great hair DNA I don't tell you but that combined with Murray's is, is what I do man that's why my hair looks awesome sweet for. all the time so thanks at GFY Garden Center for that question. <laughs> and uh, so the next one we have is come from another buddy of ours. Let's see if I can pull this up real quick. Yeah, ghost ghost ghosts of rebellion. You can follow him on Twitter at at ghost of rebellion. Ghost of Rebellion. At One. Probably got a LA. new
1: Instagram, too, is what I heard.
0: Yeah, they let him back on Instagram. Woo. He's one of these guys that gets fired from Instagram probably monthly. But, but they uh, need him. But they, they need, need him. him. You see, is it, his Instagram is fire. But, uh, so we follow him. We're, we're homies on Twitter. He asked the question, why are you gay? And I think that was directed to you, Gumbo.
1: Oh, uh, so I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm really... I suffer from bipolar depression, manic <laughs> depressive. So I, uh, it's all fake. It's all of a side.
0: So thanks for bringing that out. So I'm sorry. But so what? So Gumbo and I were both in the Navy, um, which the qualifications for the Navy means you have to be at least 32% gay uh, to be in the Navy. Neither one of us are over 50% gay. So that's good. But it can't be 33% because that's no. an
1: esoteric number. We don't going to get into that. We don't that. do that. So I'm yeah.
0: I think I'm 37% gay and I think Gumbo's 42% gay, but neither one of us is over 50%. But Gumbo's definitely more gay than I am.
1: I mean, that's a matter of perspective.
0: What do you think? It's a is matter of perspective. Is, is that a good is that a good answer? Yes. <laughs> but, but neither one of us are full gay. Yeah. You never you never yeah. Let's, let's, let's i'm gonna say i'm gonna the back love, up the off love gumbo. This. let's drag him through the mud <laughs> i'm gonna back up off of this yeah Get topic off me because there's no there's no good answer to this i'm just kidding all right so ghost thanks for that one dude um so without further ado man josh was up let's talk about yeah. christian agorism what do you think all right sounds good So here we are, everybody. Welcome to Unchecked Liberty. We've got Joshua here. Joshua, how you doing?
2: Doing very good. about yourself? I'm
0: doing very well. Gumbo, how are you doing, man? Man, I'm doing fantastic. We're going to talk today, <laughs> we're going to talk about agorism. But you've heard us talk about agorism before. We're going to try and take it to, the, to a different level. We're going to talk about Christian agorism or, or agorism from a Christian perspective. And what does that mean? And, and uh, Joshua, why is this a relevant conversation for you?
2: Well, for me, I think that the way society is going, uh, agorism is both a practical way of dealing with things and protecting myself, my family, our whole society from some of the more tyrannical 1984 Brave New World type outcomes that are possible or probable. Um, So I think there's that practical side. But at the same time, personally, I'm a Christian and I follow biblical principles. Mm -hmm. And in order to do so, I cannot be a supporter of the current world system. Right. And so how do I deal with that? Well, that's where agorism can come into play.
0: Right. So f- for for the listeners who have not heard, we've, we've talked about agorism before, like I said. Um, uh, and usually it's because of, you know, if you guys have all heard, you know, the world famous, you know, large and in charge, Salvi Agorist com- comes on every every so often. I think we've had him on a how many times? What, three times now? Trice. Trice. We've had him on three times. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and the first time we did an introduction to Agorism, and that was uh, way back in the early days of Unshackled Liberty. And then we had him coming on and we talked about some altcoins, cryptocurrency type stuff. And then we had him come on to do a, uh, a book review of a book that the book he just re- re- the book he just released yeah. recently. Right. So um of is no stranger to Unshackled Liberty. So we've talked about this topic before, of course, and then we've, we've also mentioned it in the passing but for somebody who is maybe new, what is agorism?
2: I would say, kind of, the brief version would be that it is operating outside of the system and operating in what's called the counter economy, yep. which would be any economic activity, transactions, even sharing information that is not in line with the regulation, with the state, with right. law, with these types of things. And so from Konkin, uh, Samuel Edward Konkin third mm-hmm. is the guy that came up with this idea. Yep. And the way he puts it, if you want to be very strict to the letter, he would say that all agorist activity is illegal activity in one way or another. Yep. And personally for me and for a lot of modern agorists, we tend to broaden that out a little bit into the gray market. Yes, yeah. where something may not necessarily be illegal, but it is operating outside of the current system, whether it be the state or the corporate world or whatever.
0: You're providing. It
1: a, go ahead, Gumbo. It doesn't have to be uh, slinging fentanyl in the alleyways, you know.
0: It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't always no. have to be yeah, you know, crack and prostitution, right? It doesn't have to be that stuff, right? So it can um, be
2: homeschooling I, your kids. It's pretty simple. And I think,
0: and I think, a lot of times when people uh, particularly Christians like us, right when when we start to talk about black markets, uh, even gray markets to Christians oh, yeah, oh they no. freak out <laughs> they, they, they have this whole like thing because of the because of the negative connotation associated with that and, and those things we talk about like like drugs and prostitution, things like that right So those are obviously things that as a Christian living in living you know, in you know, in line with biblical principles, well you know that, that goes against our life. That goes against our life yeah. choices. That goes against how you know how our how our God, Th- how, our God <laughs> yeah, how our God wants yeah. us to live. Yeah. But there are things that fall in line, like maybe getting a haircut in your garage and not paying sales <laughs> tax, right? Or or you know trading uh, you know at the farmers market, um, you know, with with other with other people, you know, and and like or being a mechanic and doing side work, collecting you know? rainwater. Yeah. It, yeah. Be, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. You're right. It doesn't have to be anything illegal necessarily. It may be you're just doing something that doesn't have, uh, you don't have the license that might be required by the state or you are not charging sales tax and therefore not paying sales tax or maybe you're exchanging other things besides money like, uh, you know, a barter or cryptocurrency or, you know, silver, gold, you know, other things, other things of value, right? Um, yeah. And uh, so I, what I'd love to see, and I think we'd all love to see this Um, with the way the world is going and tightening up. um, I definitely would love to see the church kind of open up and try to explore some of these things. And, and so I want to know, how do we do that? Do you, do you have any ideas on how to do that? I don't know. This is like a brainstorming thing, right? There's nothing (laughs) scripted here, right? Like, so, I mean, I wouldn't go up to my pastor necessarily. Maybe I should and say, Hey pastor, we need, uh, you know, we need to maybe start opening up a, a black market kitchen or something, <laughs> you know, like he would look at me like I was crazy um, without obviously going through the necessary uh, preparation to help him understand what I mean when I say that. Right. So,
2: yeah, but, uh, what, well, what are, there what is this, ideas? well, there is this conflict I think that you have to address first where Christians biblically are supposed to submit to the state. And, you know, that gets taken out of context a lot. And that means to a lot of people that you should be a statist and support the Mm -hmm. state. But that's not what it says. It says that you should submit and you shouldn't actively rebel. Mm -hmm. And so with that being the case, I think the ideal for the Christian is to do things that are not illegal, but that are outside of the system. So there, there are times when the law does conflict with biblical principle, and those are the times for civil disobedience from a right. biblical perspective. But there is a lot of the agorist world that may not be in line with what a Christian should be doing. And so that's why for me, although I agree in general with the principle of agorism, I I I try to be, I guess, a little more specific about that. And this term Christian agorism is one I've used. It's kind of just the best I got, but it's just this idea of, yeah, yeah. It's just like not actively rebelling and not doing illegal activity when I can help it. (laughs) while still living a life that is in line with biblical principles Mm. but part of biblical principles is not stealing from people and taxation is theft and so you know you come into a lot of conflict there um i don't think it's moral to bomb innocent people on the other side of the world yeah but i do know that my tax dollars do that and so i've got two options i can either illegally not pay taxes or I think the ideal for the Christian is to operate in a way that is not as subject to taxation. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's good. And trying, try, try to it. find, trying yeah, it's good trying to find ways to uh, submit without revolting, right? Is that what you're trying to say? So, so what? Yeah. Let's let's, do, let's dive into that a little bit. When you say submit to the state, um, but not be a statist. Mm-hmm. gonna be have a, there's gonna be a lot of people that have a hard time trying to navigate that phrase um, in the interest of the conversation like I, I'm ready to let's talk about it let's work through that together uh, but when you said it I, I immediately said hmm I don't like to submit to the state. You know, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? No one does. Well, <laughs> was, well, a lot of people
1: do, but of course. He...
0: <laughs> and that was and that's probably, you know, and then we go back to that, that's probably got something to do with a little bit of maybe a pride issue for me, maybe sin nature a little bit, right? Like I get it. Um uh so what does that mean? What does that mean to submit to the state, but not be a statist?
2: Well, we are to imitate Christ, yeah. and if you look at what Christ did when he was on earth. He submitted to the state in many ways that none of us want to. We don't want to be beaten or tortured or arrested or anything like that. Now there were times that he sidestepped the authorities and avoided being arrested, Mm -hmm. Um, but there are other times, any time really, that he was directly confronted, that he chose to submit. He chose to turn the other cheek, and you know that's not pretty. That's not what I want. I I don't want to be railroaded by the state, but if the state comes to me directly. And the issue is not something against God, where I would be going against biblical principle, then just biblically, there's not really any way to argue other than to say you should submit. But we do know that the state, no, it's just we do know that the state is immoral. And the things that the state does is immoral and the whole system is immoral. So you can't support that. You can't be a part of that. We're not supposed to be a part of the world or support the worldly system because the Bible says that the adversary or Satan or whatever, the prince of this world is the ruler of this world. Yeah. He's the ruler of all the the kingdoms. Yeah. Of all the kingdoms. Yeah. And we're not going to be under the authority of the adversary. That's kind of the whole point is we're the kingdom of God. And that's different than the kingdom of the world. So you can't support and be a part of the kingdom of the world. But if you also aren't supposed to actively fight and rebel and go against it, like it's difficult because the best comparison that I've seen comes from uh, David Lipscomb. And he was a early Mm -hmm. church of Christ guy from, I think the time period of civil war Mm -hmm. was one of his main books on civil government. And he makes this comparison between uh, the state and hell. And he talks about how hell has a role to play. Hell was established by God. Hell is there to punish sinners. Hell is there as a deterrent. Hell has a role. It it is there for a reason. You, You have this thing here and God put it there under his authority. However, that does not mean that Christians and angels want to rule in hell and participate in hell. Right. But at the same time, humans and angels shouldn't try to destroy hell. That's not a role. Like that's something that God allowed to happen. He established, he, you know, that's Satan's territory and God has given him dominion over that. And so it's not our role to mess with what God has set in motion, but at the same time, we don't support it or partake of it or interact with it very much. And so uh, I guess that's kind of a good comparison for me where there are are against God. You can't have free will unless you have a choice of two mutually exclusive options. So we're always going to have those two options. And you don't get rid of the other option or else you're basically getting rid of that whole principle of free will. That's against the way God set things up. And sometimes, and actually often, it's not always just two options. But sometimes
0: you have several options, right? You have, uh, you know, it's not always binary. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, yeah. there, there, there may be a third or fourth option where you, can, where you can kind of skirt the system, you know? And if you think, yeah. you know, there's a lot of ways, like if you look at the life of Christ and uh, you know, when the Pharisees tried to pin him down on those binary choices, he always found a way uh to you know, he's done that, he did that, he did that several times um when they would try and pin him down, and and he he didn't fall into that binary trap. And if we're supposed to imitate Christ, we should be looking for a way to not fall into the binary trap, you know. Yeah, you and maybe that, that um do you think that
1: it's written like that in the word of God to kind of keep you from uh, causing your brother to slip. You
2: know what I mean? Yeah. That's part of it without a doubt. Yeah. Because you're causing
1: your brother to stumble by just going crazy and going 100% uh, full against everything, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Cause part of uh, one of the principles of the natural order that God established is order itself. Yep. And that would be in opposition to chaos. You have order and you have chaos. Yep. And God is someone who operates and designed things to operate with order. And that is what yep. we are supposed to support and revolt revolution. These types of things, those are chaos. Those aren't order. That's that's reacting against order. And so even though there are some orders that are not a part of the kingdom of God, still in order to. I don't know, when dealing with these things, we shouldn't try to create chaos. And so it's another one of those things of trying to parse the two where Mm. you don't support this order, but you're also not trying to create chaos. And so how do I live my life according to God's order, the natural order, and do that in a way that ideally just totally disregards the world? We're not a part of the world. We try Mm. not to operate in the world. We don't deal with the world. The early church, they educated their own kids. They gave to the poor by themselves, had their own welfare programs. Yeah, they, they were, were on their own courts. Yeah. yeah. They, had yeah. Under, they, they were
0: underground. And, and a lot of that, they were, they were driven underground, you know, by the Roman empire, you know, um, they, they were actively hunted, you know, and act, we might active. be headed there. And, and I see some similarities. Now I think we are. You know, yeah. People are going to say, okay, yeah, Q, you're crazy. Right. Like, and okay, maybe, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe, right. But maybe not because, people thought Q was crazy and gumbo was, were, were crazy. Uh, you know, a long time ago before even, before even Un- Unshackle Liberty was a thing, uh, <laughs> you know, gumbo and I would have these, would have these crazy off the wall conversations that made some of the people around us go, you guys are nuts. And here we are, you know, four or five years later. And, uh, Hey, guess what? Here we are four or five years later. A lot of what we talked about <laughs> is like right in front of us, you know? So, um, you know, that was, that was, you know, pre unshackled Liberty, but like, you know, we, I don't know where I was going with this. Um,
2: yeah, yeah,
0: the the church was driven underground and, 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 and we were saying that we we might see some of the same stuff coming in the near future. So that's why we're having this conversation. So you're, you're, um, I will, I will respectfully disagree with you on a couple of things. (laughs) And, uh, because I, you know, well, I tend to be a little more of an of an a- actions oriented kind of person, but for the purpose of this conversation, I want to stay on the topic of agorism. Um, I personally don't, don't see a problem with creating chaos within the enemy's system. You know, like if they're, if they're the enemy actively creating chaos within their system, uh, intentionally, that's not, so that's not to, that's not saying I'm not, I'm not, that's not a call to action for anybody who's listening. Uh, I got to be very careful with that. So this is not this a. This is for to entertainment purposes yeah. only. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to incite anything here, but I'm just saying, uh, from a, from a philosophical perspective. This is you know, not financial advice. Yeah, no, yes. exactly. You know, you, you you the enemy system is is driving us um, in into a position where we may need to be a little more active, and I'll leave it at that.
2: Well, I can it, comment on at, that. I'll,
0: yeah, I'll leave it at that. But I don't I don't wanna, you know, I don't wanna I don't want to create a debate here because I think the 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 topic that we that we need to focus on is agorism because I think uh my my goal is is to try and figure out maybe not hundred percent, but at least kind of start the dialogue uh with any Christians who might be listening within their church, within their mm-hmm. personal organizations. You know, we we had there are several bodies of Christ around the country, right? Like um, and then, yeah. uh, you know, and they, and they need to figure out amongst themselves how they're going to exist in this new world system as, as it continues to drive us and separate us from the rest of the world, which is good, right? Cause we're to be in the world, but not of the world. Um, and then of course, you know, the, the whole principle of being unequally yoked with non-believers, right? Um, mm-hmm. that, that whole thing, that's all good, right? These are, these are things for us to, to really explore as a body of believers, right? Um, so I'm hoping to maybe somebody's listening and this spurs on some things. Um, One of the things I think I'm starting to get a little flustered here, but one of the things I think is important um, with Christians, we're famous for being very divided over very trivial things, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so some, you know, you, you look at all the different denominations. I'm an independent Baptist and independent Baptist, independent Baptist right Hmm. like that's kind of like um and and we and we tend to hang our hat on being an independent Baptist church which is great but those are (laughs) those are matters of doctrine those are matters of worship right but when we talk about survival we might want to be less independent we might want to find find a way to work work together with the other the other like-minded uh, you know, faith groups out there, you know, um, maybe, yeah. maybe the Lutheran church, maybe the Methodist church. Well, we don't all have to agree on everything yeah. as long and as Christ is first. Exactly. That's the, no, that's, perfect. Yeah. yeah. That's a perfect way to say it. Thank you. Gumbo. <laughs> exactly.
2: Um, yeah, And that's, that's kind of the whole point of the church. If you, if yeah. you look at it biblically, the church is the universal church. It is yeah. one church okay. and it's supposed to be a unified entity. And in a lot of ways from a materialistic perspective, the church has failed. And luckily, we know that the church cannot fail because God has said that, you know, I am building upon this rock and, you know, it will never be defeated. And so thanks to God, the church has not failed and will not fail. But from a human perspective, the idea of the church is to be a unified body and we are far from it. Therefore, from our job, we have failed. We as humanity of the church. And we have divided. We have all these denominations, all these divisions. Yep. We we deal with all this stuff, but the reality is, God is the only one that determines salvation. That's Correct. not our role. Yeah. We are to judge on open sin within the church body. Yeah. And that's about it. If yeah. someone says they're a Christian and they appear to be living according to biblical principles, if
0: it walks then, like a duck and, quack, and talks like a duck, yeah. or quacks like a duck, or whatever, however that word goes, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so yeah. So that. So I want to. I want to touch base. Touch base on what you just said. Um, and, and I think you agree with me, but I want to be clear. I think I agree with you and I think we mean the same thing. Um, but I want to be clear for anybody listening. When we say the church has failed, we're talking about the imperfect people have Correct. failed the church. <laughs> God has yes, not failed us humans yeah, yeah, are God not is, doing God well really <laughs> capable of that. We are the problem and we are the problem because of a number of different things. And, and it's all based on sin. Right. So, um, you know, and, and, you know, interpretations of scripture and, and, uh, and, and, and pride and other things get in the way of God's, you know, well, we're, this is not perfection. This is, we are on this side of eternity. We are not on that side of eternity. Right. So uh, that's, that's, that's basically how that works out. So I want anybody, I want to be clear. And I, and I think you meant the same thing, but I want to make sure everybody understood that we're not saying God failed. God didn't fail. God doesn't well, do. there's a
2: good example of this where you can look at the time of Yeshua. I usually use Yeshua instead of Jesus, so You'll if like I do, it. that's what I'm saying. I'm glad you did <laughs> that because
0: you're Joshua,
2: right? Yeah. I am Joshua, and that's <laughs> the an
0: Anglicization of of Yeshua, right? Right. In so, a way, yeah, it's yeah. an offshoot, yeah. Yeah. But
2: yeah. Yeshua was his name, and since he is Christ, yep. then. You know, changing his name just to make it easier to say seems a little, I don't know, doesn't seem right to me. So I try not to. But um, but anyway, in the time period of Yeshua, when he was here on earth, he was dealing with this exact same issue where the people of God had divided. You had the Pharisees, yeah. the Sadducees, you had the, the Essence, you had all these different sects, you had all these different um, divisions, and they had fallen away from God's actual principles. And they, you know, were stuck on the letter of the law, not the principles behind the law. And then you also had this issue where. Uh, so, I kind of just lost my train of thought here. Um, well, so, we're, just, we're
0: just talking about the we're just talking about the imperfection of man, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And so, in that time period, the church had failed in a sense. God, God's people hadn't lived up to their side of things, which was basically just to love God and love others. Mm-hmm. And Christ made that very clear. Very clear. And so, yeah. the Oh, the other thing I was thinking was that they were so set on their interpretation of Scripture that they totally missed their own Messiah when he was standing in front yeah. of them. Because yeah. they were sure that, oh, the, the Scriptures say this, this, and this. We understand this. We've got our theology down. And the different sects had different views on their theology and different doctrines. But all of them... Had this view of who the Messiah would be. And some of them were, again, varied, but none of them fit Yeshua. And so when mm-hmm. Yeshua arrives on the scene, because the church, so to say, God's people were divided, and because they were so narrowly focused on their own doctrine and their own theology, they missed the Messiah. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. biggest, uh, you know, miss that you can have. And it was right in front of their faces. And so tying that to modern times, I am not one personally to say that this is the end times of revelation and we're going through Mm -hmm. the apocalypse. But what I will say is that there is a pattern that exists throughout history, throughout the Bible, and there is a pattern of the antichrist. There is a pattern of the mark of the beast. There is a pattern of the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of man and one taking dominance over the other. And so the things that we are dealing with in today's society whether or not it is an exact fulfillment of one specific time and place of revelation, whether or not that's the case. And I personally don't feel that way, but a lot of people do. And it to me, it doesn't really matter because the point is there is this principle. And the principle is that the world, the adversary, the systems of the world are trying to take full control, full dominion. Mm-hmm. They're trying to account for every single thing. You know, God has a place for all things and there is a fringe. There are the outskirts. There are, there's mystery and we can't account for everything. But if you look at the system of the world, this, especially the technocracy that's starting to bloom, Oh yeah, that is the whole point is to track, trace, control. It's all about that. And in, in conjunction with this, you have the uh, the whole view of scientism where the goal is to biologically control things we are going to alter genetics we're going to alter dna we are yep. going to understand evolution we are going to know it all we are going to have you know full mastery full control full knowledge it's the sin of adam it's it is. it's wanting to know all things and wanting to be god and this is a pattern that's it's not just adam and it's not just the kingdom of God versus kingdom of man. It's not just the mark of the beast and revelation of the antichrist, but it's all of these things. And it is very clear that at a minimum, we are seeing that pattern play out in front of our eyes. And we have a choice to follow one side or the other. And we can clearly see what the pattern is and how that's playing out and going in line with the systems of this world, the way they are headed, That is the dark side of the pattern and historically and biblically, that's not the side the church is supposed to be on.
0: Yeah. You watch, you can see that in the old Testament, that story plays out over and over again with the various exiles of, of, of Israel, right. Every time they get, every time they fall away, they, 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 they are, uh, you know, drawn and pulled into exile. Right. And then they, and they're restored and everything. And then they repent and they, you know, they reestablish their, their, uh, their nation nation and all that other (laughs) stuff and shortly after that they start right down that same slide again right and uh and and you know that story continues to go over and over over again yeah Yeah. there's a good
2: thing to draw out of that is the the falsehood of liberation theology where it's all we need to do is be liberated from this tyranny over us that is evil well every time biblically that god's people got out from under the tyranny that was over them they, that was their golden age. That was their best point is as soon as they were liberated. And then it's all downhill from there. It's all downhill. And so yeah. the liberation didn't bring them to utopia. Like no. that's not the well, answer. There is, though,
0: and as a Christian and all Christians should know this inherently, right? There is no utopia, this side of no. eternity. There is, this is a fallen world. We are to be salt and light. We are to, we are to be here to help guide the way uh, to, to salvation, to Christ, to the world, uh, to help pull people out of the darkness, right? That's what our—that's what we're here to do. Um, we're not here to bring about a utopia that doesn't exist on this side of eternity. Yeah, that's, that's a lie. Yeah. You know, it's so, going to ebb and flow, and, like Joshua and that doesn't, was saying. And that doesn't mean that you can't—you can't like, you know. And there's there's a there's a kind of a slippery slope around, I guess, a little bit when we talk about that. That doesn't mean that you can't strive for liberty, that you can't strive mm-hmm. for freedom, that you can't push in the right directions to try and uh, open people up. And the reason why you want that. Uh, from a Christian perspective, um, isn't just for for comfort and 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 whatnot. It's it's to allow for the ability to freely preach the gospel, to freely reach the dark world, to freely get people uh, without oppression from the state, to freely get people to understand uh, voluntarily. Because you know we know we know through history that force conversions are baloney, right? Force conversions are you know we have we have no shortage of 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 examples through history why uh why they don't work one and why they're just immoral what are you gonna do you're just gonna put a gun to somebody's head and say you know repent right well of course you're gonna repent they don't want to (laughs) die you know like like that's not real you know that's not that's coercion right like and that's not right even as a christian you know you you know you're not supposed to be behaving like that anyway right like so uh Mm -hmm. but to freely bring about this opportunity for the lost to find their way to salvation right to uh and not through works i'm not talking about like doing good works and good deeds and stuff of that i'm talking about having a faith you know having that that faith that salvation that that saving faith right in christ and 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 they won't know that uh if if they don't hear the truth and if we don't give them the truth um then you know if we're not free to be able to communicate that then then that's the problem so for me when I lean into this, not I'm not looking for utopia necessarily, but I want to be free enough to be able to do that part of, of what we're called to do without fear of oppression from the state. I would say that's not going to happen for much longer, yeah. frankly.
2: Yeah. You know? And that's the role of you know, agorism from an action perspective like you're yeah. talking about. And I think that is where I will bring back that idea of chaos in the enemy system because yeah. this is where it applies. Because on one hand, I would agree with you. That we uh, the way I would say it, though, is that we are fighting not flesh and blood, but powers and principalities, a spiritual battle. And the adversary is the one that ultimately is ruling over the kingdom of this world. And so we are to battle against him. We are to battle against his forces. We are to participate in that spiritual battle. However, When you look at what Christ says when he's talking, I believe it's to Pilate, whenever he was arrested and Mm -hmm. being questioned, he said that his kingdom is not of this world. That's correct. If it were, I would have soldiers and we would be fighting. And so he makes it very clear that this is not a physical battle against other human beings that are a part of the system. This is a spiritual battle against the system itself and the spiritual entities over it. And so so I think that's very clearly different. So not with Molotov cocktails and bricks is what you're saying. Correct. (laughs) Correct. And so you you, you heard it here
0: first, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) we're not, we're not supposed to use Molotov cocktails and bricks.
2: Yeah. So, so (laughs) and I would say that there is, there is one Uh, I'm not going to say it's an exception, but there's one thing that you could argue biblically and make a decent argument for. And that would be any action of rebellion that is in defense of someone else's life. I agree. And And there are biblical principles that you could apply to that. And some would go on both sides, but that is about the only time that you could argue for physical chaos and rebellion against the people involved in the state.
0: So philosophically again i want to make sure we're being clear on this we're not we're not advocating for any specific event this is no. a, this is not a call to action <laughs> but uh you know philosophically one could say if the government is a force of evil and it's it's actors will say you know it's actors by then extension are acting in an evil way then mm-hmm. then they are aggressing right so this is you know and and since we've seen that that the government has no shortage of an appetite for murder, uh, any any action against the government that might be violent could be considered justified.
2: Yeah. But if you now, look at the early philosoph- church this, Christ. Is,
0: this is philosophical, right? Again, Correct. ladies ladies and gentlemen, we're not, I, it's such a slippery slope. I don't want to get pinned down and say that, oh, we're inciting some sort of thing here. You know, I, first of all, there's, we don't have that big of an audience. Second of all, um, <laughs> You know, terrorism. Yeah, I just think this is <laughs> this is this is an open discussion of ideas, right? So I don't want anybody to think that they're going to take away from this. Well, Q said, and Gumbo was okay with it that they had this guy Joshua on. Says we should burn down this. <laughs> no, nope, that's not what we're saying. No, we're not. Cancelled. Yep, that's what <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, saying. We're just talking. We're that's yep, all. Yep, yep. Sorry. But
2: I would say if you look at the early church, the original church that first say century, they were under the persecution and prosecution of Rome. Rome, the state, was actively taking them, arresting them, and murdering them, and that was evil, and they Mm -hmm. recognized that that was evil. A lot of the early church people, the church fathers, they specifically said that a Christian should not be a magistrate. A lot of them Mm -hmm. believed that a Christian should not be a soldier. Mm -hmm. A, A lot of them believed that a Christian should not be in the state system. However, if you look at how they responded when Rome came to arrest them, when Rome tortured them when Rome came and got their other members of their congregation that they loved. That's where all the martyrs came from and they were martyred joyfully. And they believed that that was a privilege to suffer in a similar manner that Christ did. And if you look at the spread of Christianity, Mm -hmm. that was the biggest explosion. And in just a few hundred years, Christianity took over Rome and that is how they did it. It wasn't by physically going against the state or the system it was by creating alternative systems, not interacting with the state as much as they possibly could. But when they did, they did submit. There were mm-hmm. martyrs. There was evil. There was a lot of persecution. But those are the things that helped Christianity to spread that really made yeah. this divide clear between the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God. And I think that's what's happening now as well. Yeah, and that's driving- kind of our role. We have to, we have to take action. But it's defining what that action is. It's, it we need physical action, but it is not physical rebellion. If that Fair makes enough.
0: sense. No, that does make sense. So, so what's our what's our physical physical action then? What do we how how can we encourage our, our brothers and sisters in different churches that, that that might be listening to this? How what are this what are some things that we can be doing at a local level with our local New Testament church that we that we are members of um, to try and help help us operate outside of the system from an economic perspective or a counter-economic perspective?
2: Yeah, I would, I would say there's a few things and I'll, I'll just speak from my personal experience because I think okay. that's the most viable here. Um, I would say that number one, it is important to have these types of conversations Agreed. with other Christians Agreed, yeah. and having them from a Christian perspective where you don't focus on, oh, there's this conspiracy and that corruption in the state mm-hmm. and you know all this crazy stuff. No, it's these are clear biblical principles. The state or this system or this law or whatever directly conflicts with these biblical principles. Therefore, we should not be a part of this. And I, I think those types of conversations are very important with all Christians. I think another thing, and this is something that I actually was thinking about like two days ago and I I am working on a plan for implementing something like this, but to get some sort of small groups or Bible studies together that involve people from many different congregations of many different denominations. So it might be, let's say it's a men's group and you have six men that meet together. Well, one might be Church of Christ, one might be Baptist, one might be Orthodox, one might be Catholic. You know, you might have all these different people, but all people that from a very broad perspective are a part of the kingdom of God. If you only had the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world, mm-hmm. these would be the people that would claim to be on the side of the kingdom of God. And there is a lot that you can learn like the, the Hebrew roots movement and messianic Jews. They understand the culture behind the scriptures and Hebrew culture. Yeah. They understand that so much more than anybody else. Yeah. They and, understand,
0: they understand the things that, that, that I think a lot of people misunderstand in, 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 in the, uh, Passages such as like Romans thirteen, right? Like they yeah. under they understand the cultural, uh, the 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 underlying cultural tone of that text a lot better than say, uh, you know, some dude from California. You know, yes, right. Yeah. So,
2: yeah, and you can look at like the traditional people, like the Catholics and Orthodox and those types. They really understand the early church fathers yeah. and the early church extremely well. And you go into the uh, the Reformation, and you get to the Protestants, and a lot of them have some very good doctrine and very good understanding on stuff, but they are missing some of that earlier stuff. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the traditional folks have some really good stuff over here, but they're missing some of the others. And then you've even got the Anabaptists, like the the Amish, the Mennonites, the um, Bro, oh, I forget the I other could, if, I could,
0: if I could be Amish, i said yeah. before. <laughs> if, if I could just unplug. And now obviously, you know, we're, we're here doing this internet thing with Unshackled Liberty podcast, all that, but dude, if I could figure out a way to just unplug and just get myself a wide brim hat and a chin beard and just, <laughs> and just go and just take, take my family and disappear and get a you know donkey in a barn and just live life, I would do it so yeah, much.
2: They're, they're onto something. And I yeah. know for, I think it's the Mennonites that I've looked at specifically that, their doctrine stems from not being reliant on the system, on the world. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. That is why they didn't use energy to begin with is because you would be reliant on the state if you were getting power from the state. Yeah. And so they've got some really good principles, but the point is that all of these people, all these different denominations, these perspectives, these different backgrounds, they have some really good stuff that we need to learn from and as the kingdom of God as a whole, as the universal church, the church and every member of it is missing out so much by segregating all these different perspectives and all these different uh, revelations and all kinds of things. We're not getting the benefit of being exposed to all these discussing these things, learning from all these different sources. And so that's something that I want to do. And I would encourage anybody listening to try to do in their area just start up a Bible study or start up a men's group or start up a prayer breakfast or whatever you want to do, whatever fits, but do something like that, that specifically and intentionally includes multiple people from multiple different congregations and multiple different denominations. And I think starting there is a very good practical step to starting to make these connections and this networking and, Starting to unify the church, at least in some way, to some degree. At least I economically. Very important. At least economically, right?
0: Because when when you have when you have open trade with with uh, you know like minded people, um, you can at least share ideas, right? And and I think and I think what we've done with in Christendom necessarily, it's unfortunate to say it like this, but uh, we've we've put up some walls, man. I mean, we've put up some doctrinal walls, and there there are some separations there. But I think that's like. Yeah, this that that that's very a lot of that stuff is very important, you know, and there's very good reasons on uh you know why certain things are the way they are. And you know, mm-hmm. from my perspective, why we why we do things a certain way from an independent Baptist perspective. Um, and then there are some things, and I won't say they're silly because you know, I don't want to offend anybody, but but we'll just say that they're not like they're not life or they're death. They're not salvation man. issues. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. not life or death. They're not. They're. They're. I don't want to say they're silly. Like I don't mean it like that. That's not what I mean. But they're. But they're less critical, we'll say. And uh, mm-hmm. and I think. And I think if we can maybe. And I think economics helps us. You know, we we see we see that just even at, even at a macro level, right? Like even at a global level, uh, we see. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, who did who said this? Um, Doctor Milton Friedman had this thing that he used to say about a pencil. know have you heard this i'm sure uh, this is not Uh, it's not it's not my original thought dr milton friedman came up with this right he talked about the graphite that was in the pencil was mined in this location and the wood that was you know that was uh you know uh, that was harvested from this forest and then there's rubber for the for the eraser and the rubber tree from this area over here and the tin and the and the alloy that was used for the for the band that held the rubber on and the paint came Mm -hmm. from this area and he was talking about how this pencil came into being from all these different input places all over the world and how some of these people might not even get along. These people probably don't even like each other. Their belief systems, their, their their traditional structures and things like that are in open opposition to each other. But through trade, they were able to come up with this writing utens- utensil <laughs> that everybody uses around the world, right? And so I, so I look at that, and I try to remember that when I, when I think about agorism. Uh, specifically, when we want to talk about agorism amongst Christendom, you know, the church, right? Um, we don't have to agree on everything. You know, this well, is this is our way around. All, this is our way tribe, around. Yeah, yeah, all the tribes
1: aren't always going to get along.
0: Yeah, and if there's a a tribe a tribe removed,
1: so many degrees away from you. Yeah, you, you could all work together for the greater good. That's what what Josh was talking about. That's a beautiful way to bridge the yeah. gap between Absolutely. the walled gardens. I, yep, you know
0: that's good.
2: That's good. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so if I could jump kind of to the other side of yeah. this. Because uh, again, speaking from personal experience, this is something that I am currently planning in my local town. Cool. And having the conversations, even with my own pastor, about this stuff, I have done that. Um, I am in Southeast Tennessee. Okay. I'm in the middle of the Bible Belt, and you know that's good in some ways. In other ways, there's a lot of cultural Christianity where you go to church just because you go to church. That's what you do. And we've been Um, we've been to
0: this church for seven generations. You know. Yes. Yes.
2: So. When you get into economics and uh, taking these steps of action, me personally, I have not been able to start this within the church. But what I have started in my local community has been an agorist group. And it started from Freedom Cells, if you're familiar with that. Um, John Bush mm-hmm. and I forget the other guy, Derek Bros started it up. Okay. And it's this idea of having these local cells and the way they map it out is ideally you have groups of eight because uh, they say theoretically that groups of eight people work really well together. And if you have less or more, they don't work as well. And so um, you have these small local groups of people that actually meet together, do things together, trade together. And then you have other Groups in your local area, and they form kind of a meta cadre in a sense. And then you have these smaller cadrés, and they're all independent. They're decentralized, but they are growing this economic network. And so that's kind of his idea, and uh, that's something that I have done in my local area. And it started off with, actually, I think in the first meeting we had eight people. If I remember right, (laughs) kind of uh, meant to be, yeah. After just a few months, we grew to 20 something people. And now we've probably got 40, 50 plus people. And I would say that probably 60 to 75% are Christian. And so there is a strong presence of the church and Christians there, but it is a totally secular group. Mm -hmm. And what we do is, uh, at least the way we do it, everybody's different. And I, I actually haven't heard of anybody else that's kind of gotten this established really well. So I'm I'm really curious how other people are doing this, because I'm sure it's happening in other places. But um, for us, like we meet together once a month as a large group, usually 30 of us or so. We share a meal together. We do a potluck. Someone gives a presentation on something that they know a lot about, the kind of skill-sharing idea. And then we do question and answer and open discussion and some updates about our group. But then we also have small local cadres that are maybe 10 people or so apiece. And all those people are within, say, 10 minutes of each other, ideally, or as close to that as possible. And so we've got these small local groups that try to meet together at least once a month. And if someone has a project or anything like that, they try to come together and help each other. And then at our monthly meetings, we also trade and barter, as well as in between times. So I have chickens and I have eggs, and I have a few other things that I barter. And uh, if anybody needs any in our entire group, Oftentimes they'll come to me or one of the two or three others that have eggs and they'll just buy directly cash, crypto, trade, whatever. We have people that make soap. We have all kinds of people do all kinds of things. And so we're trying to grow this economic network. We're also trying to do some outreach. We've got a website that we're working on right now that is a public facing outreach. And um, we're trying to frame that in a way that's not necessarily agorist or libertarian or anarchist but that is voluntarist okay. which is very hard to oppose it's such a nice word isn't it <laughs> it I is lo- i love it that is. word man that's such, who's such, against being yeah. voluntary it's such a good you say
0: anarchy and everybody thinks and they start freaking out they say libertarian they think you're crazy and then yeah, but you say voluntary voluntarist they're like oh i i like that that's yeah. a very soft word and they all basically mean the same thing
2: so, so we're, we're working on getting that established and having a website that when people are searching for any of these terms, whether it be, so the things we focus on are things like homesteading, gardening, mm-hmm. uh, cryptocurrency and blockchain, homeschooling. And it, it's really cool. Like our group, we have 50 plus people. I think almost every single family there homeschools their kids. Sell and it. we've got families, kids, men, women, yeah. young, old. It, it's just such a variety. And it's really cool because we're actually doing stuff.
0: So yeah. let me ask this question then. That's all cool, all of it. And I'm not, and I'm not gonna poo-poo it even a little bit because I think it's great. <laughs> my my question is gonna be more from a from a early stages practical perspective. How do you get people to want to get involved in something like that without thinking you're a crazy person? Because one of the biggest things I have, one of the biggest problems I have is when I bring these ideas up, you know, getting getting a little bit of a group together to start maybe you know, working together on some of these issues, you know, uh, in a, in a, in a underground, uh, at an underground level, (laughs) people think I'm nuts, man. And, and I don't, and I don't think I come off like a crazy person. You guys can maybe do I, I mean, you're, we're here. You can tell me, am I crazy? Look at my Just the word
2: underground sounds a little extreme.
0: Well, I don't mean, (laughs) I mean, I don't say underground. I just like, I grew up in the underground, man. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's well, so, but I mean that's, so then that's a good question. So then, So that's a good question. How do you do it without people thinking you're a nut job?
2: Well, I would say there's two parts to that. Number one would be that it's going to be a small group of dedicated people at first. Like All of the people that came to our first few meetups were people that listened to the Corbett Report, uh, the Tom Woods podcast. They were all libertarians. They were mostly anarchists. There were a okay. few agorists and so like one of the guys that came to our first meeting was actually friends with Konkin and he oh, grew wow. up in California. How cool is that? Yeah, yeah. He knew Konkin. He had beers with them. They hung out together. So that was super cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that original group was very dedicated. But since then, it spread because they talked to their friends, to their family, things like this. People um, have found us through other means and... A lot of those people are interested in some of these things that we are a part of. They're interested in homeschooling, homesteading, cryptocurrency, these types of things. Mm-hmm. They are open to this idea of voluntarism. Maybe they've heard of libertarianism before and they're kind of attracted, maybe Ron Paul or something. And so, yeah, we, we are growing, but I think it starts off as a very small, dedicated group. As it expands, it's still people that are you know pretty uh, far outside of the mainstream, so to say. Mm-hmm. And (laughs) so that's one, that's one side on the other side. And I guess it's kind of very similar, but if you look at the principle of the first Christians and the way Yeshua describes how we are to be in comparison to the world, we are actually to stand out. We are to be the minority. We We are are to be the light.
0: We are the uh, peculiar people,
2: right? We are, we are in a sense, the fringe and we are supposed to be, and we are not (laughs) at least, uh, I don't know if there's biblical, Precedent for this, but I, I will let say at least say my personal belief is that we are not to be the mainstream norm. Okay. That will not happen until you have a more utopian world—the new heavens, the new earth, mm-hmm. uh, heaven itself. You know, however you want to look at that—that that is something that is let's say post end times. That yeah. eventually God brings the world into perfection, and you have that. Until then, you have the world, and the world is run by the adversary, and That is going to be here. And we are going to be the salt and light amongst that. The salt and the light, that is never the majority. You have vast amounts of darkness in one little light. You have a whole bunch of meat and some grains of salt. A little bit of salt, yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's natural. I think that's healthy. And I think that's the way it starts. And if we can start this way, and if we can start bridging the gap between denominations and churches and kind of getting more universal, if we can open up these conversations, if we can start these networks and this uh, economics between people, the secular world, as well as the church, if we can get those things started and make these connections and have this networking in place, then if society goes the way of let's say, a mix of 1984 and Brave New World, where we go technocracy, full control, and by our standards, um, evil morality behind it, eugenics Mm -hmm. and things like this, if that's the way things go and we can't operate in mainstream culture and the economy without being a part of that system, then we are at least going to have a start on this underground economy, on the counter-economy. It's going to be there in its infancy stage. And... That is a lot better than not being there at all. Non existent,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: we are not going to be alone. We are going to have the foundation for being able to do this. And, you know, if we don't get full tyranny in the next year, two, three, 10, whatever, um, and we have a chance to build out these networks, then, you know, that's a great thing too. You can have that idea of Conkin uh, had this idea that if you start draining the state of support and taxation, so yeah. financial as well as. Um, well, well, now we found out.
0: We found out economically. Honestly, we found out that they don't even need taxes.
2: Technically, right? they, they'll just print it,
0: right? Like, like we, <laughs> we. It, so they don't even. So that. So that whole argument about taxation, the government needs it to, to fund itself. No, they'll just print it, and we've seen them do it. And, and so, what is taxation anyway? It's just to keep a mean, poor and weak. It's just to keep us poor and weak. Thank you. It's just to keep us on the on the. You know, I hate to say, it, on the farm. I won't I won't say plantation, but to keep <laughs> us on the farm, right? Um, because we you know, we all of our money it goes out to the government, right? And it's not just, you know, it's state and then or it's federal and then it's state, and then it's your gas tax, and then it's your you know, sales tax, and then it's like you know, your property tax and everything that you, you know, all that stuff that all that money gets taken from you. And that's just to break you down, right? Because if you got to keep every dollar that you earned yeah you know, be a little bit different but it so, could be so, lots of dollars <laughs> yeah you know what yeah so um many many greenbacks I'd, I'd buy <laughs> a, buy a lot of a lot of cryptocurrency that but uh oh, yeah <laughs> so but um no i'm sorry i didn't mean to railroad it just you know we we learned that the taxes aren't even we've seen it this year the last 18 months we've seen it 35% now the number i saw recently 35% of all the dollars ever printed occurred in the last 12 months 35% Right, that's why milk's at twelve bucks a gallon or that's wherever. Insane. You know, yeah, it's nuts. That's yeah. why that's why inflation's running away. But that just tells you they don't even need your tax money, man. They yeah. don't even need that. They just they just print it. They just they just print it.
2: But they do yeah. need your support and compliance. Compliance. That's what they need. They need Without your obedience, that, dependence, and compliance. Yeah,
1: yeah. And they need your energy credits. That's what they need.
2: Correct. Yes. And some people say from a spiritual perspective, usually not Christian, but that they feed off of the energy of others. And that's when others willingly give their compliance to the state. And these evil forces are feeding off of that energy, you know, that whole storyline. But but I guess the whole point is that from a Konkin perspective of draining Mm -hmm. the state of funds, we know that you're not going to bankrupt the state like like you just clearly established. That's not going to happen. But that principle of draining away support and compliance and the the reliance on the state. If we can be more self reliant and self reliant as a group, not as individuals. I'm never going to be self reliant myself. You know, the eye pencil thing is a good example. Yeah. yeah, but but if we can be if we can have a network where, for example, when COVID hit, we've got someone in our group, our gorist group that raises cattle. We have someone that uh, has a dairy farm. We have people that make soap and home supplies. We have people that have chickens and ducks and eggs and all kinds of stuff. So when there wasn't meat on the shelf, we could still get meat. Like there's still cows out there and we still have people with freezers full. If you know there weren't eggs on the shelf, if there wasn't bread, you know these kinds of things, if we couldn't even go into the grocery store, we have people and know people that can supply us with these things. Yeah. We are not reliant on the state. That's and good. if any of us lose our job, my hope is that the group, the network could support such a person until they are able to get back on their feet again mm. and that they would not be reliant on state welfare or on their job to the point that they have to submit to something that they believe is immoral just because they are so reliant for them and for their family on that job. And so that, that's the other thing is that the way society is shifting in my opinion, we are heading, headed more towards a technocracy that's ruled from a more corporate perspective. Yeah. And the political world is getting more and more divided and losing a lot of its prominence. And so uh, that's something to really fight against. People, If you think about how reliant people are on their jobs, that you have people that fully believe that the COVID-19 shot is the mark of the beast, but they take it anyway because they can't afford to lose their job. And I am not personally making any comment on whether it's the mark of the beast or not. And, you know, that's not my thing. But I don't think I don't think it is. I, I, I don't know. either. Yeah, yeah. But I don't it does it follow. I, I will say it follows within the pattern. At least yeah. you do this thing or you can't be a part of society. And this thing is something that manipulates the way the human body works instead of working with the way God designed things to be. It's, and so if, if, it if could nothing fit else the pattern.
0: Yeah. yeah, you're right. If nothing else, it fits the better it's like a foreshadowing it's like a it's like a hey here's a glimpse of what a little bit of what it could be like right so um yeah and knowing that that kind of thing is dude it doesn't take much man i mean you're talking you're talking to two fathers you're 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 a father yourself right like it's not it's not hard to get me to comply like really it's all this tough bravado about being about being independent and about trying to like you know, uh, you know, hold my ground and, 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 and live a life free from the state, bro, you threaten my family. I'll do whatever you need. It's, it's crappy to say it like that, right? Like hey I'm man, not, you're you just know, being honest. Yeah. Like, like, I, I, every, every father know. is going to think about their children it's, and be like, not, okay, well, it's, uh, it's not, it's not ideal. Mm-hmm. It's not ideal, but that's, that's truth.
2: Right. Which is why for the sake of our children and our families, we need to have these networks where we are not that reliant, where we don't have to sell our soul. And my whole point about the Mark of the Beast thing is not whether it's the Mark of the Beast. The point is that some people believe from a religious perspective that this thing is anti everything they believe and they do it anyway because they feel they have to because they have to. Yeah, And if you think about like, uh, you can go into that. I forget the guy's name. It was a KGB operative that did an interview about the Soviet Union and how they would convert a country to communism.
1: Yeah, I remember that. I forgot his name. I don't know exactly yeah, you're but talking
2: about. one of those steps is demoralization. And that's roughly probably where we are today. But oh, yeah. if you think about it, if you're getting people who, you know, and most people I talk to, at least where I live a year ago, they said, or even when COVID first started, there is no way that they would m- wear a mask everywhere they go. There is no way they're going to get some rushed vaccine that they don't believe in. There is no way that they're going to do X, Y, Z. And yet all of them are do- most of them are doing it. And so if you want to yeah, demoralize the, yeah, you, somebody.
0: Well, so you change the mouth breather that's sitting in the Oval Office to a different guy. And now and now all of a sudden yeah. they all want to do it, right? It's yeah. It's, it's yeah. Sorry. I like how you
1: put that, Joshua. We're, we're operating within the pattern. Yeah. And who knows when that pattern is going to come to, you know, forefront, uh, forefront. To
0: to a full full bloom.
1: It's like we're living a a, a poppy side quest of Black Mirror and just tampering with us, you know.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you go, are either one of you guys familiar with Vin Armani? I try not to be. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, so he's got a, the dim age theory that he follows and I I, I, I like, I like, that, I like theory.
0: that I I like that theory. Uh you know, I'm, okay, a, big, cool. I'm a big fan of of Pete Caniones uh and and the yes. Man Beyond the Wall podcast. Um I've mentioned that a, a couple times on the show. Um and he's had Vin Armani on. Uh mm-hmm. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Fair I have yeah. heard the I've heard the dim age uh theory. I think it's I think it's it's apt. It makes sense.
2: Yeah, d- and the d- point. D- yeah. So I would say if anybody's interested, uh, I actually had I did a whole series where I did an interview with Vin on the Dim Age Theory, and I did elaboration episodes in between each section of the interview. And so I also have some differences of opinion with Vin, especially yeah. when it comes to some spiritual matters and perspectives. Yeah. No, and so, right. um, so we're, again. We're
0: tr- we're tracking then. Okay. Yes. All right, yes. All right. So so I did a
2: lot of elaboration episodes in between where I did give a little pushback and gave yeah. kind of my perception of things and explain things further. But then I also recently did an interview with Pete Quinones on my show, uh, debating um, community-oriented agorism with what he's pushing now, the Machiavellian local politics approach. Yeah. And so people might be, if they're interested in this conversation, they might be interested in those things. But going yeah. back to this, just the idea of the dim age, like the idea there is that uh, throughout history, societies shift uh, according to a pattern and somewhat of a cyclical nature and that we are shifting into a pattern of being less purely materialistic and being more immaterial, mystical, spiritual, however you want to phrase that. And so if you uh, think of like science, I guess would probably be a good example where science is something that by definition you question, you pose a hypothesis, you study that and you follow the data and then you do it all over again. That is science and that is a materialistic approach to the concept, whereas now we have the science, you know, the religion of scientism, scientism and yeah, yeah and the, the this worship is some of the mind of man, They're, you know. Yes, yeah, yes, that's what it is. but it doesn't even follow. So again, it, it follows science. They say trust the science, trust the experts. So of course it's science, but but it's science from a mystical perspective or an immaterial perspective. It's not a material perspective because science is supposed to be hard data, facts, questions answers. It's so simple-minded.
0: It's so dumb it when is. they say that because it's like, I trust the science. Well, science inherently doesn't trust the science, right? Like, like, <laughs> like, that's the whole process is trying to disprove stuff. Like, it doesn't trust itself already. Like, that's that's that whole, like... Well, that, that line of yeah. thinking is trying to, like,
1: uh, combine scientism with uh, the New Age movement stuff and the metaphysical stuff and all the spiritualism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just. I can.
2: Yeah. Can I go there? Yeah. Go. Yeah. Okay, go. So, so at least my theory, or the way I look at things is that you have what's called secular religion, where mm-hmm. it is religion that is not based specifically and outwardly on a deity or a divinity of some sort but it does follow the definition of what a religion is and what worship is. And so the the things that I would say and that I've talked about before is statism and uh, scientism and the church of woke, that Mm. these are all religious movements, but they are secular religion. But when you look back to the biblical perspective of the world being run and ruled over by the adversary, then these actually do follow a deity But that deity that they follow, either they are not aware of or they do not admit to. And so we are battling against these religious movements. And that is why facts and logic and data do not work. When you're arguing or debating with somebody about something related to COVID, for example, and you show them the stats, that does not matter to them because we don't live in a material world.
0: The hard numbers that you just look at, you just go, this is all ridiculous for this. Yeah. all of this for this right but you it's, it's it not up,
2: facts yeah. and logic it's not care. a materialistic mindset no it's a religion it's immaterial They're it's mystical
0: They're they are it. yeah they are um which which only goes to show something we've talked about on the show before too thank you for illustrating that is is that we as a as a creative as a cre- as a created entity people right um we are designed to worship yes. something yeah. You know, we're either going to worship the one true God, the creator of the universe, you know, uh, and his, you know, and, and you know, Christ Jesus and all that stuff. We're, we're going to either worship what's right and true and honest and correct. We're going to find something else to worship. We're going to worship our bank account. We're going to worship science. We're going to worship politics. We're going to worship our, you know, our IQ. Right. Uh, I know a number of people who are, who are brilliant, brilliant. But they're really dumb. They're the dumbest <laughs> smart people I know. Yeah, and because they worship themselves. And because of that, they're not open to anything else because it's, you know, whatever, right? And I know a couple of those guys. And, uh, you know, and it just shows you what you just said, illustrated something that I've believed for a long time, that we are creatures designed to worship. And we will worship something. What's your God? What is your God? That's the question when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I think we know in secular America we know what the god is and it's not it's yeah. not the god it's not the god the creator of the universe it's not him it's not no. you know which is unfortunate
2: so but that's also something that we do need to be aware of is that i would have said probably a few decades ago that statism mm-hmm. is the ultimate secular religion that the majority of people follow in america and the western world mm-hmm. however we are getting to a point where the church of woke that religion is taking a lot more prominence scientism i think as we all can see mm-hmm. since covid started is taking a lot more prominence when you get into this idea of technocracy i my prediction is that transhumanism yes. is a religion that will take yeah. a lot more dominance and power and so we need to be aware that that the the system and you could look at lots of different things to say what the system is, but the kingdom of man, the world Mm -hmm. that takes many different forms and that has many different denominations, but they are all under the umbrella of the same spiritual entity from a biblical perspective.
0: The adversary. You're right. Absolutely.
2: And a a house divided does not stand. Mm -hmm. And so these all work together. And that's why you see the state being used as a tool Under the support of the statists by people like the Church of Woke, who are uh, giving that morality and ethics and the goals, and you have scientism doing the exact same thing, using the state and using the excuse of the morality of wokeness to push this idea of eugenics and humans being God and playing God and creating mm-hmm. perfection out of humanity, creating our own virtual worlds where we are going to be the gods that create the world. We create all the physics. We create all the rules. We do it all because, you know, it's the sin of Adam, of course. But Dude, if that doesn't all of make these you, things that, go together.
0: Oh, if that doesn't make you just a little bit sick to your stomach when when you, you hear Joshua say that, that's I don't know what to tell you. That's some gross mm-hmm. stuff. But you're right, we, man. We just, you're 100 yeah, right. Yeah, we need to yeah.
2: be aware of that because it's it's not just the state, and it's not just mega corporations and big pharma, and it's not just these crazy woke cultists. It's it's that all of these things it's, it's so normalized are the world
1: in our faces too. Uh, I like what you said about the transhumanism thing. Uh, most people don't realize that the foundation for that is mostly laid already, and they're just going to build upon it. so what is
0: what is it what is transhumanism help me with this so i got an idea of what it is but i want to make sure i know what it is so tell me it's like uh where where we uh, kind of kind of meld with with technology like in a in our body kind of thing how's that work yeah well you got to blur the lines between
1: the genders first and you gotta and you gotta go against uh the natural uh order of things first and then Mm -hmm. all the other stuff comes
2: yeah, it's this idea of going beyond human, where you know we are currently human, but we are going to change what it means to be human. We are going to be in charge of what it means to be human. So things like gender, you know, we are in control of gender. Things like your mind, your intellect, your memory, uh, we might mesh with machine interfaces or have chips or have uh, data processors or something like Johnny that is going Mnemonic. to, yeah, something like that. Artificial yeah.
1: intelligence and
0: hooking up to the internet, yeah. like, like, uh, that was, an, that, was a, that was an, that was an age check. Have you seen Johnny mnemonic? That was to see. I
2: actually have, okay. I, I was like, I was a kid at the time, <laughs> okay. but I don't think I understood it all, but yes, yes. Right, but so but yeah, similar. that's, that's, that's the idea of transhumanism is that we mm. are going beyond being simply human where we are adapting on both a technological front as well as a biological front. And a lot of times the morality behind many transhumanists and a lot of the elites are transhumanists and that morality is eugenics and that is the idea of eugenics which has been around since adam it's been around since plato it isn't anything new it's perfecting the human race according to human standards where we create man in the image of man and that by definition is against god yeah And that's why we should have no part in that. And again, takes us all the way back to agorism where it's, how do you not take part in these evil systems? We can see them. We We can name them. Yeah. 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 How do we operate outside of that? And and part of that is networking. It's building these networks. It's decreasing our reliance on this system. It's not giving money to it, not giving consent to it, not even trying to interact with it as much as physically possible. Like that is the answer. And, agorism is a tool for that and i would say that again with the caveat that for the christian there are a lot of limits that get imposed on agorism that do not exist for the non-christian
0: yeah yeah moral moral you know the same stuff that you would expect from any from any you know anybody living a biblical you know based life right like Mm -hmm. um you know and this goes back to the original like the original statement that we that we had at the beginning of the show is is black markets is more than just drugs and prostitution. There's a whole lot of stuff that goes on um, in the black and gray outside of the outside of the scope and and, and reach of the government, um, and some of it is pretty bad, but some of it isn't. Some of it just isn't. It's just it's just good stuff. And and how do you how do you push into growing that good stuff? And that's what you were talking about with your networks, right? Yeah. Getting getting your groups together, getting your teams together, working together, figuring out who's got what skill sets, who can help. With this, who can help with that? Who can grow? Who can farm? Who can, you know, you know, mechanic on your car, you know, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting.
2: And I think part of that also is this educational aspect where we need to understand the way the world really works. We need to understand how the world is changing. We need to be aware of these things and we need to be able to adapt to them. So, like blockchain and cryptocurrency is a perfect example where that is the ultimate tool for total dominion and tyranny to have a public ledger that cannot be changed, cannot be censored, (laughs) cannot be erased of all people. Like every single transaction recorded, you know, to the every last detail and completely controlled by the blockchain itself. Like that is ultimate control. That is ultimate tyranny. And I I guarantee you that it will be used in such a way. And so while cryptocurrency...
0: You You just made a lot of people upset. Well, Well, before the clarity and
1: regulation, before they can find out how to tax every bit of gain that you make, you know, before the (laughs) system's fully in place, you're good, hopefully. But
2: Well, and I would say that it's both. It's like the Internet. It is both a tool of liberty and truth, and it is a tool of control and domination. It is both. And so, Yeah. 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 And you have to be aware of both if you're going to use that tool and use it effectively. So, for example, like if I was trying to use the internet in a way that was increasing liberty and freedom, and I was trying to build out a network of people and do all these things, but I was using a Gmail account, and I was connected to public Wi-Fi, and I was using my bank card for all my transaction between my friends, and all these kinds of things, then I am not using that tool properly for my goals and purposes because I am giving all this data and information to the system to then identify me and pick me out and track everything I'm doing. And that's kind of against the whole point of what I'm doing. And so we need to be aware of these tools and tools are things like the state. They are things like the internet. They are things like blockchain. All of these things are tools. I would just... uh specify that some tools are not appropriate for christians yeah. in my opinion and my opinion is that the state is one of those that that yeshua never never in the early church never used politics never advocated for it mm-hmm. never did it themselves the closest you can get is paul claiming his roman citizenship yeah but there were times when he took a beating and was tortured before claiming his roman citizenship yeah. There were times when he ran away from a city to not get arrested. So, you know, that's a stretch, but, yeah. but yeah, I would say that the state is a tool that is completely of the adversary. you go all the way back to I think it's in Samuel where uh, Samuel is talking to God and the people want a King and For God Samuel, tells Samuel first Samuel chapter eight. Yes. Yes. So God tells Samuel that go ahead and do it. But them demanding a King is a rejection of myself. God makes it very clear that having men ruling over other men is a rejection of God that is against God. So if you're trying to use a system of men ruling over other men through immoral and evil means ruled by the adversary, that's not something we should have anything to do with. So that would be a tool that would not be in my toolbox. But all these other tools that we're talking about and that I think we should be growing, we also need to make sure that we are understanding them and using them properly and for us as Christians and as a church, we need to make sure that we are careful about how we apply them. Like agorism is a tool, but I should not be in support of prostitution. Correct. Although I think everyone has the free will to do as they please. Yeah. That is immoral it's, and wrong, and I'm not going well, to support that.
0: Yeah, know, that's that whole premise. It's that whole thing like. Like, just because I don't think something should be necessarily illegal doesn't mean I, I'm okay with it, right? It's that whole marijuana argument, yeah. right? Like, I like I don't think weed should be illegal, but I don't think you should smoke weed. Yep. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, that's, uh, you're right. Yeah, same thing.
2: I just, and I think that also yeah. helps. You asked about, you know, how do you approach people, and especially Christians, without sounding too crazy. Yeah. I, I think mentioning these types of things and approaching it in a very mild way, mm-hmm. from this perspective, using terms like voluntarism as probably your most extreme language, yeah. then I, I think that really helps. And I think people can get that if you start off with a biblical princi- principle, let's say of free will, then you know it's pretty easy to make an argument against the state by only using that biblical principle of free will that probably no Christian is going to argue with you on. And so like, there are ways of approaching things, especially for Christians that I think can be effective. And I'm hoping that that takes off within the church, but I would at least say from my own personal experience, that has not been a realm that I have had as much success in Mm -hmm. as I have in the local secular world. And I think that is unfortunate, but that has at least been the case for me. Um, Yeah. And I'm hoping again, like the Agoras group that I have, there are probably more than 50% of people that are Christians. So That's I guess, I guess that is reaching the church in a sense. Um, yeah. But me and my personal church as well, although I have had conversations with my pastor and he is very open to the things that I have to say and is in agreement with the majority of them at least, um, I, I still haven't gained a lot of traction in people that are wanting to actually put any of that into action. It's like the old school libertarians where it's all about the knowledge and not action. Yeah, you
0: can't expect, yeah, you can't expect the, uh, the, I would, I would say my opinion would be you can't expect the pastor to put this into motion. Hmm. His, his, his job is to tend to the flock, right? His job is the spiritual development of his church, right? That's his job as a pastor. And, uh, he's not an economist. We wouldn't expect our pastor to be an economist, you know, just as much like he wouldn't expect, you know, uh, Thomas Sowell to run a church, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, so um, I think we're, I think, you think we're good here, man? What do you think? I think we had a great conversation.
2: I reckon. Any I other questions? That, I think
0: that Joshua could go on for a lot longer. I but... think, I think I think Joshua could probably, yeah. He hours go, and go, hours. Go, yeah, I'm sure you could. No, but I think that's great. You brought up a lot of good stuff yeah. and, I'm, and I'm really happy uh that we had this conversation about, you know, about christian agorism or agor- agorism agorism i never yeah, know it's all the Whatever, same man. yeah <laughs> Both works. So, yeah it's the same so uh you know agorism from a christian perspective i think that's i think that we and for any christians and, and again the, the whole goal of this is for the for the two or three people uh in, the, in this audience that that might be listening who are members of of of, of, a, of a church somewhere uh you know this is this this is a call to action this part right here Get your group together and figure out how you can how you can work outside of the system um, in a nonviolent and and uh, a counter economic counter economic way. So
2: yeah, another suggestion uh, I'd input here is that another good way of approaching this with people is a mutual assistance group or a mutual aid group. Mm, that resonates really well with most people. It's like voluntarism; most people aren't against it and they're interested. Yeah. So that's that's another kind of random approach that you can like take it. that seems to work pretty well. That's cool, man.
0: So um, go ahead and plug everything you got again, Joshua. Let's uh, let's let's make sure everybody knows where they where they can find you and what what you got going on.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to hear me monologue for hours and hours and have other conversations like this, then (laughs) you can go to the Our Foundations podcast. And uh, that's at ourfoundations.podbean.com is the website, but you can find it on any of the podcast players. And uh, just briefly, I I separate into seasons and it's kind of chronological. So ideally, you follow it all the way through. And the first season is all about the systems that we live under, mainly educational, economic, and political all the way from their infancy to the corruption to where they are now in alternative movements. And then the whole second season took place before COVID, but it was comparing the Reformation time period to modern times. Mm. And uh, kind of the end game of that was that we're shifting towards technocracy with the political world losing prominence and the technocracy gaining. And that was right before COVID hit. So it was really good timing because that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And then- You, you um, see it unfold, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah, then I had kind of an interim period, which is where the Vin Armani episodes come into play. I did like the Dim Age series and things like that that I would highly recommend to people that are interested in this stuff. And then I shifted into season three, which I'm on now, and that's all about looking at the early church as an example of a movement that was against the culture and the state and the religious institutions, but still was extremely successful and was successful without revolt or revolution or rebellion. And trying to compare that to modern things like agorism and all this stuff that we're talking about today, it's like... How do you apply that? Well, we do have a historical example and we can look at their theology. We can look at their actions. We can look at their systems. And that's what I'm trying to play out for season three. So that's that's, that's cool. kind of what I've done so far. And if anybody's interested, feel free to check it out. Joshua, thanks for coming. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was yeah fun. thanks, man. Gumbo, anything you want to add?
1: You gave me a lot to think about, Joshua.
2: <laughs> that's so, the goal. <laughs> yeah.
1: Good job.
0: All right, buddy, I'm going to go ahead and end the recording here.